The Lord be with you and also with you. Lift up your hearts. We lift them up to the Lord. In virtual worship, our sanctuary empty, we gather together this Sunday in August 2020. In the spirit of one who sang, unite the pair so long disjoined, knowledge and vital piety, learning and holiness combined, truth and love for all to see. The liturgy, music, and homily are offered in the praise of God for our virtual congregation through WBUR 90.9 FM and our listenership now and later at WBUR.org. We welcome your prayerful and material support, your written or emailed responses, your self-selection of forms of leadership, ministry, and service in our midst. And as the spirit moves, and when and as it is again permitted and safe to do so, your presence with us here in worship. Today's service of worship includes the sermon, New This Week, along with music and liturgy rebroadcast from earlier services. Although our nave is empty, the music is full. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it.
May we pray. Let your continual mercy, O Lord, cleanse and defend your church. And because it cannot continue in safety without your help, protect and govern it always by your goodness. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God forever and ever. Amen. Christ our Lord invites to his table all who love him, who earnestly repent of their sin and seek to live in peace with one another. Therefore, let us confess our sin before God and one another. Merciful God, we confess that we have not loved you with our whole heart. We have failed to be an obedient church. We have not done your will. We have broken your law. We have rebelled against your love. We have not loved our neighbors, and we have not heard the cry of the needy. Forgive us, we pray. Free us for joyful obedience. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Hear the good news. Christ died for us while we were yet sinners. That proves God's love towards us. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. Glory to God. Amen. The peace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you always and also with you. May we exchange with one another signs of his peace. lesson from the book of Genesis, chapter 32, verses 22 through 31. The same night he got up and took his two wives, his two maids, and his eleven children, and crossed the ford of Jabbok. He took them and sent them across the stream, and likewise everything that he had. Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him until daybreak. When the man saw that he did not prevail against Jacob, he struck him on the hip socket, and Jacob's hip was put out of joint as he wrestled with him. Then he said, Let me go, for the day is breaking. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. So he said to him, What is your name? And he said, Jacob. Then the man said, You shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel. For you have striven with God and humans and have prevailed. Then Jacob asked him, Please tell me your name. 
But he said, why is it that you ask my name? And there he blessed him. So Jacob called the place Peniel, saying, For I have seen God face to face, and yet my life is preserved. The sun rose upon him as he passed Penuel, limping because of his hip. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. A lesson from St. Paul's Epistle to the Romans, chapter 9, verses 1 through 5. I am speaking the truth in Christ. I am not lying. My conscience confirms it by the Holy Spirit. I have great sorrow and unceasing anguish in my heart, for I could wish that I myself were accursed and cut off from Christ for the sake of my own people, my kindred according to the flesh. They are Israelites, And to them belong the adoption, the glory, the covenants, the giving of the law, the worship, and the promises. To them belong the patriarchs, and from them, according to the flesh, comes the Messiah, who is over all, God-blessed forever. Amen. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please join me in saying verses from Psalm 145 with the antiphon.
The Lord is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. The Lord is good to all, and his compassion is over all that he has made. The Lord upholds all who are falling and raises up all who are bowed down. The eyes of all look to you, and you give them their food in due season. You open your hand, satisfying the desire of every living thing. The Lord is just in all his ways, and kind in all his doings. The Lord is near to all who call on him, to all who call on him in truth. He fulfills the desire of all who fear him. He also hears their cry and saves them. The Lord watches over all who love him, for all the wicked he will destroy. My mouth will speak the praise of the Lord, and all flesh will bless his holy name forever and ever. Let us stand as we are able for the singing of the Gloria Patri and all the reading of the Gospel. Holy Gospel according to St. Matthew, chapter 14, verses 13 through 21. Glory to you, O Lord. Now when Jesus heard this, he withdrew from there in a boat to a deserted place by himself. But when the crowds heard it, they followed him on foot from the towns. When he went ashore, he saw a great crowd, and he had compassion for them and cured their sick. When it was evening, the disciples came to him and said, This is a deserted place, and the hour is now late. Send the crowds away so that they may go into the villages and buy food for themselves. Jesus said to them, They need not go away. You give them something to eat. They replied, We have nothing here but five loaves and two fish. And he said, Bring them here to me. Then he ordered the crowds to sit down on the grass. Taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven and blessed and broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples, and the disciples gave them to the crowds. And all ate and were filled, and they took up what was left over of the broken pieces, 12 baskets full. And those who ate were about 5,000 men, besides women, and children. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. Do not get lost in a sea of despair. Be hopeful, be optimistic. Our struggle is not the struggle of a day, a week, a month, or a year. It is the struggle of a lifetime. Never ever be afraid to make some noise 
and get into good trouble, necessary trouble. John Lewis, 1940-2020. Faith is the affirmative answer to the question whether life has meaning. Faith is the affirmative answer to the question whether love is real. Faith is the affirmative answer to the question whether struggle is redemptive. Faith is the affirmative answer to the question whether friendship is nourishing. Our psalm and lesson from the Hebrew scripture recoil around us to recall for us the place of struggle in life. In pandemic and pandemonium, in political and presidential reckoning, in personal and familial realignments and choices, we right now may benefit from such a reminder. After all, why return Sunday by Sunday to ancient writings if not for a chance to orient our own selves and lives by the light of what our forebears have seen and done? One of the great gifts of Boston University to our life has been the immersion and inclusion in a tradition of struggle, redemptive struggle. Over dinner, courtesy of the Gottlieb Center, perhaps six years ago, we sat with John Lewis. Dime con quien andas y te diré quien eres, say the Spaniards. Tell me with whom you walk, and I will tell you who you are. After the meal, he quietly told stories which had the aspect, for one who tells stories, of frequent narration as overtures to good trouble. In particular, it brought a full smile to hear his childhood dream of being a preacher, a story that was new to us, but well known to others and now to the world. He would come home and preach to the chickens as he fed them and baptize them when they were born and bury them with dignity at the end of their egg-producing days. Hence, Lewis picked up the nickname Preacher. Yet it was really his life that spoke and that commitment to a sense of redemptive struggle. Now, Marsh Chapel, you remember that on May 20th, 2018, Mr. Lewis sat right here in the second pew before the pulpit of this nave. You remember that he sang the hymns of faith and heard the words of Holy Scripture and prepared himself to address 20,000 at commencement later that day. You remember his lingering among us on the plaza as the bus driver waiting to take him nervously waited. You remember that, like any good preacher, he was willing to take the time to take you seriously, said the parishioner. I just wish that the preacher in his sermons would take my life seriously. Well, by the echoing hallelujahs sent his way later that day from the voices of the class of 2018 and others, you could hear that he did take their lives seriously, I mean. And you remember the climax of his address that day, saying, Yes, class of 2018, you will get jobs and find work and buy cars and build homes and raise families and take trips. Good. But what else? What else are you going to do? What else are you going to do in the brief span of years you have? Will you help make this world a better place? And to do that, will you get into some good trouble? along the way. In my years at BU commencements, it was the rhetorical high point, and that's saying something. 
Later in the President's gracious lunch, we stood next to him for a photo. I was uncertain whether to interfere so, but Jan said, no, let's get the picture, and so glad that we did. I looked at it again this morning from two years ago and wept. One of the greatest gifts of Boston University to our life has been the immersion and inclusion in a tradition of struggle, redemptive struggle. What an inheritance, what a legacy, Marsh Chapel, you have to share. Now recall just a few words of the words offered in memorial across the nation to John Lewis in these days. Moral authority, aggressive yet self-sacrificial, animating a mass movement, nonviolent protest grounded in the principle of redemptive suffering, something in the very essence of, of anguish that is liberating, cleansing, redemptive, opens us and those around us to a force beyond ourselves. The essence of the nonviolent life is the capacity to forgive. At bottom, his philosophy rested upon the belief that people of goodwill, the beloved community, would rouse themselves to combat evil and injustice. And in March of 1965, Bloody Sunday, Lewis suffered a fractured skull. But that year, the Voting Rights Act was signed into law, even though the Supreme Court crippled part of the act in 2013. Friends, we can best honor his memory by picking up where he left off. Now hear the words written by our friend, our own congregant, Marsh Chapel community member Kwame A. Mark Freeman just this last week, he wrote. I had the honor of meeting Mr. Lewis on a few occasions over the years. The last time I spoke with him was at Metcalf Hall in the George Sherman Union at Boston University. Mr. Lewis was a humble man in the truest sense of the word. He was one of the last living civil rights titans of his generation who more than virtually anyone had a grasp of the institutional memory of both the turbulent and tragic but yet triumphant period of black people living in the United States during the period of the civil rights movement. The work Mr. Lewis engaged in on behalf of black people is indelible and stretches over six decades beginning in February of 1960 at a lunch counter in Nashville, Tennessee. I want to thank Mr. Lewis for all that he has done for black and brown women and men living in the United States. Just, in, as, just, important, just as importantly, I want to thank him for what he has done for all of humanity by his clarion call for justice, both now and until the day and time when injustice becomes a fleeting memory and a tragic but yet another triumphant footnote in the annals of black history in the United States. God bless brother John Robert Lewis and may his soul rest in peace. Meanwhile, back in the Bible, in Genesis, Jacob receives a new name, one who struggles with God, Israel. There is a redeeming quality in struggle, so much so that one's full identity emerges in a different way and with a different name thereby. Jacob recalls for us the power of community, the formative range in the struggle of each community, including his own and including our own. 
We sure need such a reminder of, of this this summer in this summer of uncertainty. The summer, be it remembered, of the use of unmarked cars and camouflaged federal, federal agents in Portland. We are on the brink of lawlessness coming from the highest offices in the country. What shall we bring to this struggle? A little honesty? A whole lot of ownership? A critical caution in our choices? In the spring of 1972, graduating soon from high school, I was watching as various communities were struggling in that year, including that of the United States itself. My father had bought a pool table that winter, the first of its sort to adorn that Methodist parsonage. Looking back, I think he had some idea to try to connect more fully with a teenage son who was about to leave home, and it worked. We spent some evenings playing pool and talking about nothing and about everything. It was down in the pretty dank basement full of things you throw in a basement. He would smoke his pipe and I would talk about things I really knew nothing much about, but I had opinions. That spring there was a protest against the war in Vietnam and I had decided to go and we discussed it. It was to be held outside his old high school where he had been elected class president in 1949. He had gone on to serve in the Air Force as a chaplain so he was a military person, but was himself also and strongly against the war. Yet when I told him about the protest, well, he did not try to talk me out of it, but he filled his pipe and racked the balls for another game. I could tell he was trying to tell me something or teach me something or something without being too parental. Anyway, the gist of his question as I remember it in the haze of faulty memory and pipe smoke was, do you know who's organizing this? Do you know who's running this? Do you know why they're doing it and for what reason? Well, we did not argue. I went ahead and attended the thing, such as it was. But that careful, critical edge, that question, who is really doing this and why, stayed with me. I cannot begin to number the times in so many different situations when that basic question, who's really behind this, has come back to help me. And this is still a struggle today across the land, trying to do and know how to do the right thing at the right time in the right way, to get into some good trouble. It's almost like that hymn, have you got good religion or bad religion? Have you got good religion or not? Have you got good trouble or just trouble? Likewise, our two New Testament passages, Lesson and Gospel, guide us in redemptive struggle. In Romans, Paul is about to launch into two chapters of farewell to his own beloved religious inheritance, his own spiritual legacy, his mother tongue, the law. Religious faith sometimes means leaving things behind, shaking the dust from one's feet, and moving on. In a way, every day has some measure of that leave-taking of saying thank you and saying goodbye. In our weekly staff work here at Marsh Chapel, we are guided by a set of values in which we embed our ministry, music, and hospitality, and which share a curious quality of leaving some things behind. We try to build trust daily, to foster consensus, 
to seek unity, not uniformity, in peace, not dishonesty, to review all communication that speaks to or for the whole, to avoid any secret surprises or subversion, to live a life that becomes the gospel, to speak to others in their presence, not of others in their absence, to bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the Christ law, in teaching to search the scripture, in daily work to reflect on our envisioned mission, in liturgy to be informed by the hymnal and book of worship, by Methodism and the ecumenical consensus, in all things to look for charity, caritas, love, to encourage by example regular worship, tithing, and interpersonal faithfulness, to be functional, punctual, frugal, and industrious, but not to worship work, for we are saved by what we receive, not what we achieve, to offer attentions to outsiders first as a matter of course, to remember that the staff supports the mission of the chapel, not the other way around, to believe that God loves us into loving and frees us into freedom. In working with staff, our reigning interest is, tell me what best exposes your authentic self, baptism, and what unshackles your fiercest passion for life and ministry, vocation. We can build some real future around this. In communication, we hope to model dimensions of spiritual health and honesty, specifically by responding promptly to voicemail, same day, email, three days, regular mail, one week, inter-office memos, same day. Also, we believe that a good meeting lasts no more than 90 minutes and preferably no more than 60. We expect to be people who are happy in God. That is, we hope to find a way to get into good trouble, not just trouble. Our community here at Marsh Chapel will continue to go through changes in rhythm. Remember that once we thought we would be together again here the day after Easter, April 13th, 2020. Hmm. With the insight, foresight, and hindsight of Paul and Romans, we shall also need for the long haul the remembrance of Matthew, the miraculous feeding of the 5,000 with two fish and five barley loaves. Not much to go on, and yet all were fed and more miraculously, or according to the scripture, not only were all fed, but all were full, were satisfied. All were satisfied. Along with values to guide us, we shall need, Marsh Chapel, the gospel promise to keep us satisfied. Hmm. In a moment, we will hear again the ancient liturgy for Eucharist. We are not together to receive together the bread and the cup, but we are together in relationship, by memory, in hope, through prayer. And with a little imagination, with eyes closed and hearts open, we might allow the familiar ancient prayers of communion to bring us into spiritual communion. So travel with a little imagination. <coughs> Imagine Eucharist at Marsh Chapel. Stand to sing, pause to reflect, step out into the aisle, look at and look past Abraham Lincoln and Francis Willard, receive cup and bread, bread and cup, kneel at the altar to pray, 
stand in communion with the communion of saints. Here is the bread and the cup of friendship. Imagine, if you are willing, your own funeral, say, right here, say, in a congregation, say, reciting together a creed, a psalm, a hymn, a poem. Imagine, if you are willing, a congregation currently in diaspora, but just now, by the spoken word, the word heard, a gathered and thus addressable community, you and I and all together, and as the gospel says, all were satisfied. Our virtual congregant, Milton Jordan in Texas, reminded us this week of John Lewis's words, do not get lost in a sea of despair, be hopeful, be optimistic, our struggle is not the struggle of a day, a week, a month, or a year. It is the struggle of a lifetime. Never, ever be afraid to make some noise and to get into good trouble, necessary trouble. For faith is the affirmative answer to the question whether life has meaning. Yes. Faith is the affirmative answer to the question whether love is real. Yes. Faith is the affirmative answer to the question whether struggle is redemptive. Yes. Faith is the affirmative answer to the question whether friendship is nourishing. Yes. Amen.
O thou in whose light we see light, bless these gifts and the givers, we pray. Amen. The Lord be with you. And also with you. Lift up your hearts. We lift them up to the Lord. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right to give our thanks and praise. It is right and a good and joyful thing, always and everywhere, to give thanks to you, Almighty God, Creator of heaven and earth. Before the mountains were brought forth, or you had formed the earth from everlasting to everlasting, you alone are God. You created light out of darkness and brought forth life on the earth. You formed us in your image and breathed into us the breath of life. When we turned away and our love failed, your love remained steadfast. You delivered us from captivity, made covenant to be our sovereign God, and spoke to us through your prophets. And so with your people on earth and all the company of heaven, we praise your name and join their unending hymn. Holy are you and blessed is your Son, Jesus Christ, in whom you have revealed yourself, our light and our salvation. And now we give you thanks because by appearing in the temple, he brings his peace to the world. The word made flesh searches the hearts of all your people to bring to light the brightness of your splendor. By the baptism of his suffering, death and resurrection, you gave birth to your church delivered us from slavery to sin and death, and made with us a new covenant by water and the Spirit. On the night in which he gave himself up for us, he took bread, gave thanks to you, broke the bread, gave it to his disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And when the supper was over, he took the cup, he gave thanks to you and gave it to his disciples and said, Drink from this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. And so in remembrance of these your mighty acts in Jesus Christ, we offer ourselves in praise and thanksgiving as a holy and living sacrifice in union with Christ's offering for us as we proclaim the mystery of faith. Pour out your Holy Spirit on us gathered here and on these gifts of bread and wine. Make them be for us the body and blood of Christ that we may be for the world the body of Christ redeemed by his blood. By your Spirit make us one with Christ, one with each other, and one in ministry to all the world until Christ comes in final victory and we feast at his heavenly banquet. Through your Son, Jesus Christ, with the Holy Spirit in your holy church, all honor and glory is yours, almighty God, now and forever. Amen. Amen. And now with the confidence of children of God, let us pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. 
Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever.
May we pray. Eternal God, we give you thanks for this holy mystery in which you have given yourself to us. Grant that we may go into the world in the strength of your spirit to give ourselves for others. In the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up the light of his countenance upon you and give you peace now and always. Amen. Amen.